Hello everybody and welcome to Facebook Ads Agency Builders. We are a powerhouse community of entrepreneurs seizing the opportunity of the rapidly advancing digital marketing industry and bringing some of the best minds in the business together to have massive impact for our clients. Over the past five years, Tyler Narducci has been building and scaling his own digital agency, helping businesses grow and market their services and products through online advertising. Now, he's helping other startup digital agencies launch and scale rapidly to six figures with the Done For You Agency program. If you are interested in taking your agency to the next level and skip all those painful mistakes most have to make by learning directly from those killing it in the digital agency space, then apply now at sobeviral.com slash agency build. That's sobeviral.com slash agency build. There will be a clickable link in the podcast show notes as well as in the about section of the Facebook group. Now, let's dive into today's episode. All right, guys, welcome to the FAAB podcast. I'm really excited to have on here Mitch Tarr today. Mitch uh, is our uh, email guru, essentially, uh, in the FAAB group, and I think he's going to bring a ton of knowledge for you guys uh, listening today, not just for your own agency in email marketing, but obviously, you know, helping the brands that you work with uh, on their email strategy, guys. Email is not dead. Uh, and Mitch is here uh, to teach us why it's definitely not dead. So Mitch is the owner and founder of Zen Marketing, uh, and he's been focused on email marketing now as a specialty since 2008. Uh, he's the author of two books on email strategies. Both are found on Amazon. And he is uh, he has two university-level courses uh, on email, which is fantastic. That, that's awesome. Uh, he's also delivered nearly 5,000 email campaigns in 104 industries, uh, and his largest account managed 7.2 million names. That's one heck of an email list, Mitch. Uh, right now, he's zoned in on the e-commerce space uh, for his services, for his client services, uh, and he is the owner of three separate Shopify stores. Mitch, that is one hell of, uh, of a bio you got there. Yeah, thanks very much. I, it it was, seems I would be busy all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, just one Shopify store is a lot, but uh, three at one time uh, is, is pretty phenomenal. Um, so, you know, I'm really happy to have you on here. I think you're going to drop a ton of knowledge. Um, so I'm just going to dive right into it, if that's okay with you. Sure, no problem. Thank you for the invite. Absolutely. Um, so first off, email marketing uh, has been around since the, the dawn of the internet era uh, in some way, shape or form, really. Um, and I mean, it's gone through a ton of changes, uh, I would say, since, since its inception. Um, in your opinion, how has email marketing changed uh, in the past 10 years or you know, even more recent in the past three years? Yeah, that's a good, a good question because everyone has a perspective on email. Everyone's an expert. You know, it's like I, yeah. I, I've eaten at a restaurant, therefore I can cook. Um, and I've seen emails, therefore I can send them. And what's really changed over the years, you know, 10 and 12 years ago, when I had my first constant contact account, emails were thought of as a newsletter, the way the old newsletters would be on paper. And so the designs were like that, the templates were like that. Uh, people wanted to send out something which was visually strong. Um, and so one of the big things that has changed over the years is there's 
um, now my, my design team will not like to hear this so much, but um, there's less emphasis on design and more actually on what people read and do. So yeah. it's, it's nice to have a strong visual email, but that's not the thing that makes or breaks it. Like in all marketing, it's the message. So you have to be able to set the message up simply. And over the years, um, a lot of the softwares have made it easier to just produce nice, simple emails. So there's been a big transition kind of away from uh, newsletter style emails uh, towards very specific emails with a specific purpose. That's been one thing. Um, another change that we've seen is the robustness of the tools. So uh, a lot of software allows you to send emails uh, and they all are competing with each other to be a little bit unique and a little bit different. So they've all taken a different stand. So the array of features uh, available now is way more than there used to be. Uh, and the emails are getting smarter. You can do dynamic emails now that if somebody's on your email list and they're also on your SMS list, uh, they would uh, receive a different message than if they were on your email list, but you didn't have an SMS number. So it yeah. might have an invite at the bottom of the email that's inserted if, an, if the, the logic is there that someone doesn't have a, an email or an SMS in place. So, you know, the tools are better. Um, email in the old days, you know, 10 years ago, uh, people were hostile to spamming messages. They were yeah. like, they had an issue with it, a deep-seated psychological issue. Uh, and now these days, there's enough people that understand, oh, that's a spam message. They delete it, report it, and they're on to their lives. They don't get so excited about it as they used to. And the spam filtering software is much more robust than it used to be. So they're you know, kind of keeping the garbage emails out of your folder for you. And Gmail has done a really good job of that in particular. They have. You know, I check my spam, you know, not as much as I should. Uh, but maybe like once every two weeks to a month. Uh, and I'm just like blown away by how much it catches. I'm like, I didn't want any of this. Uh, and, and I mean, I don't really know exactly how it works to catch all those things, but <laughs> thank God, because it's all those things got through. I might go a little crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, in Gmail's case in particular, it's behavioral now. So when a, a, a block of emails comes in, uh, you know, 10,000 emails from constant contact, Gmail knows that they're bulk email. And if they get opened and clicked and responded to, it says, oh, business as usual. Somebody's talking to their, their client base. Um, if it gets spam complaints and no open rates and it bounces like crazy, uh, Gmail says, oh, what do you know? Somebody's got a bad list. They haven't talked to them for a while. They don't maintain their list. They're, they're you know, pushing the envelope and it, they treat them accordingly. So, yeah. Thank God for Gmail. Um, all right. So I hear this one a lot. Uh, isn't email marketing old school? Is email marketing dead, Mitch? Yeah, I, I've heard this. So uh, interesting story. Uh, I have had Jay Abraham tell me to my face, Mitch, email is dead. You know that. Uh, at the same time, in the last 14 years, he's been working on making sure he has a robust email list. So it's kind of dead, but you know, in the back of his mind, he has a position. Yeah. I've had Gary Vaynerchuk tell me to my face, uh, you know, Mitch, email, dead. It's, it's not going to be uh, valuable for the wine industry too much longer. Uh, and that was about, what was that, 2008? <laughs> uh, and, and so when he, uh, it was a book signing that I met him at. So when he signed his book, I said, keep an open mind, Gary. Oh, so wow. 
I kept an open, open mind, but uh, all along the way, we, we, you know, RSS was the email killer, the first one, that it was going to be the end of email. Uh, and then Gmail is going to be, you know, it's going to change how email gets, takes place. And now the smartphones and SMS, it's going to be how, you know, the end of email. Even Sheryl Sandberg uh, from uh, Facebook in one of her um, keynote speak, uh, speeches uh, is saying, yeah, email is not the future. It's going to be something else. Yet today, the strongest e-commerce stores have a strong email game uh, such that if they're doing it properly, you know, 40% of their revenue comes from email. Now, if you're making $100,000 a year out of your store, another 40,000 a year is nothing to sneeze at. So, no. you know, if you believe that email is dead, you're, you know, there's $40,000 you don't have access to. And, you know, me, I'll take the 40. Absolutely. No, I totally agree with you. I think Sheryl Sandberg of Facebook may have some ulterior motives uh, in, you know, unhyping or deflating email, right? Because Facebook is all about pay us to reach your community, right? Like, like pay us uh, on for ads so that we can reach your audience, right? Like organic traffic's completely dead. So they want to keep you kind of over in Facebook. You, but, you know, at the end of the day, people forget, like, you don't own the people on Facebook. You don't own yeah. those communities. You can spend all day building your, your Facebook group, which I have um, done pretty successfully. And I'm, I'm really proud of my Facebook group. And if it was ever taken away from me, I might, you know, cry. But uh, at the end of the day, like I accept that I don't own that Facebook group and, I, and it can be taken away. Facebook can shut it down and that's it. Uh, email, you actually do own those emails. And so you, you, you know, while open rates may be lower, you know, than they used to be, you can still reach your audience at any time and no one can ever take that away from you. So I think it's, it's really important to maintain yeah. your email list because it's the only thing that you actually do own without having to pay somebody for access, continual access for it. Yeah, um, it's an asset for sure. Huge, massive. So let's talk agencies a little bit um, for all of those startup agencies and, and mid-sized agencies listening to us. Um, what are... Uh, what is the best way for agencies to use email marketing to generate clients for themselves? I think um, there's two things that really stand out to me. So recently, like in the last couple of years, uh, there's been a big um, move afoot to make cold email um, a viable channel. Yeah. Uh, and some people have gotten pretty good at it uh, and can do pretty good lead generation with it. So if you have the fortitude to learn cold email and do it properly, uh, that's the first touch, that can be the first touch point uh, of, an, of uh, a lead generation campaign. And now, you know, I, I go back to the old days where we used to sit down and send them one at a time, you know, yeah. 20 years ago, that's how we met people. Uh, or I'm on the phone one at a time. That's how we met people in the old days. So uh, that's just a continuation of that. And there's, there's a lot of robust uh, strategies and places that can help you do cold email. So uh, that's one way. Uh, but I think the, the second most valuable thing email can do for you uh, in your you know, uh, agency marketing is from the moment that you capture a lead, and hopefully it's in the form of an email address or phone number, but from that moment forward, uh, there has to be email speaking to those people. Uh, and I'm embarrassed to say that for a couple of years, uh, our email game was not that strong. We would capture a lead and they would just sit there if they didn't uh, sign up with us. So over the years, that list just kind of built and built and built. And we never did much with it. 
And a couple of years ago, we said, you know, we, we do email, we should do it properly. So for our own selves, we built a whole bunch of automated flows that uh, triggered if somebody did something. So if you came back to the website, if you downloaded a white paper, if you uh, read a certain page, if you uh, filled in a contact us form, depending on what action you took, there was a series of messages that are triggered uh, based on that. And you would move from list to list based on uh, what activity you took so that all kinds of messages uh, were sent to you automatically. Mm -hmm. uh, and that really helped, you know, we had people come back to us eight months after they were an initial lead, just because they'd been reading our messages, they uh, were interested uh, enough to say, okay, now I need to talk to you. And so the lead wasn't good the first week that we met them, but nine months later, they became customer. And it was only because during that nine month period, we sp spent the time to keep in touch and remind them why we're a good agency, what capabilities we had. You'd see some case studies, you'd see some referrals, testimonials, like stories, um, just kind of, you know, tips, anything. Uh, and that was something that we always know we had to do that. We never really did. So, you know, it, no matter what you're doing as an agency, at a bare minimum, just send them something every week. Yeah, just, I couldn't agree more. Um... But I, I have thoughts on both of your points. So on the first one, there's our a, yeah, cold email is definitely a viable channel today. Um, we teach in the Dunford Agency program uh, two different methods of cold email. One is the old school sniper style, like find your perfect, uh, you know, client avatar and send them an email with a custom loom video in it that says their name uh, and, you know, send 10 of those a day kind of thing. Um, then we also teach a more mass uh, you know, mass style method where, where we use um, Paracone leads, uh, which is an email outreach software that helps reach, you know, people within different industries, different niches that agencies are targeting uh, with, you know, cold outreach emails to help get them in the pipeline, get some responses and, and move forward in a more, you know, mass outreach instead of sniper style. Now the sniper style works really well because you know it's so so custom that it impresses people like wow you may take me the time to make me like a custom room video and maybe said my name uh but the uh, the more you know paracon leads with the more mass outreach uh, also works well just because it's a numbers game and you're able to get in more people that way so you know we've seen people do really amazing things with cold outreach for their agencies when they're just when they're just you know consistent with it and they they stay up on it um second on your point of you know, making sure that you're, you know, in touch with your leads, like, especially if you're paying for Facebook ads to get people through your funnel, right? Like you're spending a ton of money to get them in there. Uh, most people aren't going to convert right away. Like most people need several touch points before they convert, you know, whether it's, you know, a two call close, three call close or three calls and no close. And then they have to go through your drip sequence and they go through, you know, your weekly emails for the next year before they finally say, okay, you know, I'm in enough pain now where I'm going to go back and convert. Um, if you weren't sending those regular emails and staying in touch with your base, then, you know, all that money you spent to get that person in your pipeline is kind of worthless. Um, so I completely agree. In fact, I do a daily email. So I have, um, I have a, I believe a 12 day sequence that starts uh, for everyone who joins my Facebook group. Um, that's, you know, just stock full of value and teaching and just free free information, free high value information. 
Uh, and then that rolls right into, once that is complete, into a daily email sequence where every week we're pumping out new, you know, free, valuable information for them. So we hear all the time, you know, when people join the program and people work with us that, you know, I've been listening to your podcast now for several months, or I've been, you know, reading your emails now for uh, several months. And we find people that originally entered our pipeline like a year ago, and then all of a sudden they booked in another call um, and then they become a client. Uh, and it's due to the fact that we've built this ecosystem through our daily emails, through the podcast releases, through the Facebook group uh, that continually puts content. And I, I'm a firm believer that email is a huge a huge driver in that because yep. even if someone doesn't join the group or listen to the podcast, if we remind them that there is a group and a podcast in the emails, then they will expand eventually to those other markets. Yep. Your emails are on point. I'm on the list. Yay. Hey, awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, we, I closely monitor it. Was, I'll be honest. It was scary moving to a daily email when I did it. Cause I'm like, everyone is going to hate me. They're going to get so annoyed. They're going to unsubscribe. Um, and I was shocked. Like there was very little unsubscribes. They stayed in, you know, the unsubscribe rate stayed really low and people stayed engaged and the open rate stayed good. And I'm just like, okay, good. This is working. Um, so I kind of took that leap. I, I think I got the idea from uh, com secrets with Russell Brunson and his, in his book, um, when he was talking about like the Seinfeld emails and all that, um, you know, several years ago. And I was just like, all right, let me take the leap, uh, get the copy out there. And it works. Um, all right. What, uh, what does a normal agency email marketing service package look like? Uh, like what would be included in that and, and for a brand? Uh, and what is a normal range of pricing that agencies charge for this service? Um, well, I'll, let me do the pricing one first. I've, I've seen pricing uh, range from $1,000 a month on a retainer to $6,000 a month on a retainer. Um, And what makes up that number seems to be three things. One of them is uh, self-esteem of the agency. Yeah. How they value their services against the results. Yeah, 100%. Number two is uh, the mix of services. How much uh, automated flow, how much copy, frequency of email, uh, how many campaigns uh, on a monthly basis so that, you know, how much the service entails. And -hmm. a third thing uh, seems to be the size of the list. So um, if you have those things in combination, that's, you know, will kind of dictate what the price is. Um, what we have found, we do some of our pricing on a, uh, a performance basis. And we find when the, you know, performance number starts to get up around five, 6,000 a month, 7,000 a month, customers can't help but say, wow, look, I can just hire a, a full-time person for this amount of money. Uh, so for us, we just adjust our pricing so that it stays in the range of, you know, customer expectation. Uh, and then we always remind them like, well, you could get one person, but you can't get people that have the experience of our whole team. Yeah. Uh, somebody that's a good, great copywriter, they might not be such a good designer. Somebody who's a great, amazing designer, copy might not be their, their strong suit. Uh, if they're an awesome designer, attention to detail might not be their thing. And you know, getting the emails right is another issue. So anyways, that's the price of, of, of the services we see. Um, and service, they, they tend to bundle in probably three different areas as well. Like one is the setup, you know, have I got all my flows running? Uh, for us, a typical client in Clavio usually has eight to 10 flows when we're done the setup period. So, uh, you know, abandoned card, browse abandoned, a new customer, um, 
uh, all, all flows based on uh, behavior and actions. Yeah. yeah. So just setting up that whole infrastructure is, is uh, uh, fairly uh, time intensive. So the setup is one thing. Um, and then getting in the regular sequence of sending campaigns, you know, do you send something weekly? Is it bi-weekly? Is it every day? Is it, uh, you know, certain events? Uh, like on Father's Day, we do a five e email series, uh, but we might not do that on a Wednesday, for example. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and then just kind of uh, making email part of the marketing bundle in a company, it shouldn't be something off to the side that you do when you have time uh, or that you get around to. It's you plan ahead, you put it in an editorial calendar and you're, you know, we've already got June's emails written and in the bag. So right. we're, we're in a couple of weeks, we'll start to think about July. Uh, so we're never rushed to get them done because there's a, a plan. Yeah. Um, so the service services would be based around that. People uh, I found will hire an agency for one of two reasons. They either don't have the time to do it themselves and they know it like, oh, I didn't get one out this week. I only sent out one email this month. Um, you know, my abandoned card hasn't been looked at in two years. Um, just things like that. Um, or they know that they're missing out on money because they don't have the skill and they don't know what they don't know. They just know that they're only getting 7% of their revenues from email. Uh, and, you know, they hear all the stories about how they can get 40%, 50%. So they know, how do I do that? And then that's when you, you know, get an expert. Yeah. So uh, those are the, the two driving motivators that we see most of the time. I think that's really helpful for a lot of agency owners listening that are trying to, you know, understand the motivation that the leads have behind hiring uh, an agency for email and, and, and learning how to angle their pitch essentially for email as yep. well. I think email, email is something that is often overshadowed by PPC. I think in a lot of agencies that are, are selling in the digital space. And I think it's something that like should always be at least offered as an additional service because like you said without email uh, on in a ppc strategy like you're leaving a ton of money on the table and so you know like that 40k that you were talking about um and i think it, it's something that it could be an easy upsell for a lot of uh agency clients uh and it could be just an easy add-on essentially for a lot of you know ppc clients that come through agencies as well yeah i think so too um, so, all right. What do brands need most in email services from the agency? Well, I, I think the biggest thing that brands kind of need to do that they're not doing is get in the segmentation mindset. So in the old days, I had a newsletter list and I, you know, do you want to be on my newsletter list? And I'd make the offer all the time. And whether you were a customer or repeat customer or a complete stranger, you know, my goal was to get you on the newsletter list. Uh, and now what brands need or should need is, all right, I've got people that buy from me frequently and often, and I need to know who those people are and how I can get more people like that. So, you know, you start with the segmentation, VIP customers spend more than three, three orders a quarter. Uh, I, you know, I treat them special. Uh, then there's, I've got my customers that have spent one, one purchase, one purchase only. And as time goes by, they, they become more and more uh, strangers. So someone who bought one thing one year ago is not as valuable to you as someone who bought one thing last month. So yes. you have to treat those people differently and get them 
moving to their, their second order. And then you've got the strangers, they don't know you. They haven't bought anything for you. So those people, you can't just hit them with uh, discount, 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 um, because they'll get bored of it after a while. You've got to tell them a story, uh, get them get to know you a little bit, know the company, know the brand. Uh, so they might have had a passing interest in your product or service, but um, you know, three months from now, they'll say, I have a really good, good feeling about this brand. I, I think I can, you know, I'll take the chance. Yeah. And they'll spend some money and then, you know, boom, you got them as a customer. So just, you know, switching the orientation from everything's a newsletter to now I've got VIPs, customers one time only and strangers. And, you know, all my messaging is based on, you know, that segmentation. That's, I, that's the biggest thing we see all the time when we come into a new account. It makes sense. And it sounds like it's going to be a lot more efficient than just, you know, bulking out a, a newsletter all the time. Um, so this, I know, is a question that's on a lot of people's minds when it comes to email, because there are so many different softwares out there. Um, but I guess, what is the best software to use uh, when you're doing email outreach? There's, I mean, there's a ton uh, out there. So what, what, are your top, what are your top recommendations? Well, um, that's, this is a good question, because in the various forums that I'm in and groups, Facebook groups I'm in, it, there's always a bun fight. Somebody has a a favorite and they toss it out there yeah. and then, you know, the, then the conversation starts and then, you know, what they normally don't do is the very first question is, what do you think your needs are? You're going to do email. What do you think is going to be important? So, yeah. you know, if you're thinking about which product to choose, you would want to say, well, why, you know, what things do I want to do with email? Cause they all do a little bit, things a little bit different, but they all still do the same thing. They get an email from your desktop, to their somebody's inbox, <laughs> uh, and yeah. you know if you're in the business, you can you can do that. So um, you know Mailchimp's been around for 100 years, Constant Contact's been around 200 years, uh, Active Campaign, all of those types of systems are fine. Um, we like Clavio uh, personally, uh, in, being in the business. Uh, the reason we like Clavio is philosophically they've made the decision that they want to be the center of the client record. So their integration game is strong. You can hook Clavio up to all kinds of software and the client record comes back to, to Clavio. So a good example is if you're using um, customer service software and somebody's on your customer service software, they open a ticket, they're mad at you, they're, you know, you don't want to be sending them a, hey, 15% off this weekend message when they're, you know, livid. So <laughs> the integration with Clavio, because they have a, a strong integration, you, you set so that, all right, if you've opened a ticket, stop all the marketing messages to this person. And as long as that ticket is in status open, no marketing messages. And when the ticket is closed, send a couple of uh, follow-up messages to close off the ticket in a nice friendly way. And then seven days later, turn our marketing messages again. So just having that little thing uh, integrated can make for better customer experience and one that makes more sense. They get messages uh, because otherwise you get a message from your ship, you know, ship station, get a message from transactional from uh, Shopify, you get a message from um, your customer service software, get an email message, they, they, they get a, uh, customers getting a variety of messages, transactional marketing and support, they all look different, they all feel different. And that's a very different customer experience to one that they get one, one type of message looks the same, and comes at the appropriate time. So we, we like Clavio for that reason. I love it. It sounds very intuitive, um, especially for e-commerce clients. 
Um, personally, I use uh, Active Campaign right now and absolutely love it for the purposes that I'm I'm using it for. It's it's been really great. Yeah. And when we started our agency, as an agency, we thought we're going to be software agnostic. We're going to, you know, it doesn't matter what you use, we'll use your software. So we got really good at the beginning at using all those different types of software. What we didn't get good at is uh, having a deep relationship with a software vendor that can help on a customer's behalf because yeah. things always go wrong. There's always something. Uh, and you really need, uh, you know, a little deeper relationship with the software vendor. Uh, and Clavio has been good for that as well. So it doesn't matter if, you know, if you're active campaign, if you, you know, have a rep, you have somebody to talk to, uh, that's going to help your client because, you know, you got, they're in your, your, uh, uh, they're in your corner. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. God, I just, I just wish Facebook could get better at their whole, rep, <laughs> at their whole rep status. Um, all right. How do you get it right? How do you get email marketing right? How do you prevent mistakes? Uh, yeah, we've wrestled with that a lot because people, when, when they hire you as an agency, they hold you to a much higher standard than they themselves hold. So they can make mistakes all day long and they'll just go, oh, darn, I made a mistake. But if you send right. out a typo or a broken link there, you know, they go nuts. Yes. So, <laughs> so um, the thing that we do, uh, us in particular, we've developed like a checklist, you know, an email launch checklist. So, um, you know, it's basically a QA list. It's got about 12 or 14 items on it. And whoever is responsible on the team for sending the email, you basically have to go through and say, yeah, you know, we did the spell check on the uh, document. We did the uh, send test. Uh, we tested the email for all the different softwares. We tested the layout. We tested it on a smartphone particularly important these days. The number of emails that I see that are bad outright, you can't even read them on a smartphone. Uh, it makes me crazy. Like people, I've got my beautifully designed template and I send it out and then on a phone, I it's like, I can't read that. Uh, uh, so yeah. half your audience can't see your message. Anyway, it's a, a pet Half, <laughs> nowadays, most. That's a pet peeve of mine. Yeah. So, um, and we, before we, uh, an email goes out, it, it, you know, we send it to, uh, we actually use the production system, not to test system to send it. Uh, and then we see what grabs it and we see how it looks and we just basically do it. And if we make a change to an email, a customer has last minute, oh, I got to, I changed my mind. I wanted, you know, a different button or I wanted to say something else. Uh, we go through the whole checklist again. We yeah. don't just make the one change and send it. Uh, because no matter, you know, you fix the one thing, you've potentially introduced a new thing. So Absolutely. we make, and really it's just a matter of, it's intentional to run the checklist. So slow it down. Uh, kids these days, they're so skilled at click, 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 send. And it's like, whoa, 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 you just did 12 clicks in a row in eight seconds. And I guarantee <laughs> you that you didn't actually read the sentence that had the link in it. Yep, so. absolutely. I can't tell you how many times uh, I've written an email, read it like uh, within the platform, like like within Active Campaign, sent the test to myself, and then found the error yeah. in the test send. Um, and so it's just like you know you got to have multiple eyes on these types of things. Um, yeah. it, that, that QA checklist, like it's the same thing that pilots do before they take off. Yeah, you know, plane. It's the same thing that a lot of industries do to ensure safety um of you know customers and clients it, it's it's a proven method it works really really well um so in terms of reaching the inbox uh you know we talked earlier about how gmail's 
spam filter game is strong. Uh, today, uh, can you, you know, reach the inbox steadily, consistently? Uh, and what are your tips to ensure that you do? Um, so the first thing is, don't even bother trying to game the system. Uh, quite often customers come to us, we say, hey, where'd you get this list from? And it's like, oh, these are our best customers. And I, I look through the list and it's info at sales at spam <laughs> trap at I'm like, those are not your best customers. This list is from somewhere. It's not, you know, so um, when you try to game the system, the system is, you know, they've been fighting, fighting spam for 20 years now. So yeah. they've, there's some, you know, they'll get you, they'll find out. So uh, don't even try to game the system. Uh, the good thing about e-commerce is your brand customers, they want to hear from you. They don't not want to hear from you. They, mm -hmm. you know, if you don't abuse the relationship, you'll have a good one. So they just their receipt. Yeah. So, so just think of it. There's real people at the other end of that message and they got real lives and they get real messages from you. And if you're good at it, you send, send good stuff, then you'll be in the, in the inbox most often. Um, I'll give you, I'll give you a secret. This is a, uh, an agency thing that if you're not doing it, you should do it. Uh, once a month, we send something called an inbox campaign. And the inbox campaign is an email that poses a question that the person, the customer has to reply to the message back to you. It must hit the reply button. Um, so, you know, we're thinking, hey, we, we're thinking of doing a new color on our shoe line. And, you know, we, we got a black and we might got a white one. Have you got an opinion? Would you like one or the other? Just shoot me a message. Yeah. Um, and by virtue of the fact that you send us, uh, send the message, it gets opened. And then people start hitting the reply button you're sending the message to Gmail. Hey, we, we're not mailing strangers. We're mailing our best customers and we're, yeah. they're emailing us back. So you don't want to get in the middle of that. Would you Gmail? You don't want to get people from talking to us. And it just bumps your reputation a little bit uh, and essentially whitelist those people that are replying back to you. And if you do that often enough and well enough, more and more of your message will move over from promotions to inbox. Because Gmail will say, you know what, whoever that is sending, this person wants to talk to them. They've replied to three of the last eight emails and they click on everything. I think I'll just send that straight to the inbox. And so it, it helps. But we do it as a uh, part of our campaign strategy is once a month, we send something called inbox campaign. You have to reply to the message. So I'm uh, really happy to hear you say that because I'm doing that, but <laughs> not for the reason that you taught. So I just learned that we're doing that and having this extra benefit of what our campaign, but the, we do that about twice a month right now. Uh, and we'll send just a straight question uh, to our audience. Um, like, you know, I'll create, you know, a new document that teaches agencies how to do something, uh, whether in lead gen and sales and outreach, what have you. Uh, and I'll ask them uh, if, if they would be interested in it, if they, if they would like uh, me to send it. And like, I don't send it in the email. So they have to reply in order to get it. It's free, of course, but um, that allows us to open up real conversations with our list and actually have real genuine conversations about where they're at. I think the last one we asked was, you know, where are you at in your agency right now in terms of your growth and where would you like to be? Just like real conversational. Um, and what it does is it increases a ton of reply rates. I guess, like you're saying, it helps feed that algorithm, lets them know you're a good guy, essentially. Yep. 
Um, and for us as, a, as an agency, it allows us to have like real genuine conversations with our clients and actually, you know, get a lot more leads that way and actually put people into the pipeline and then help them solve their problems. So it's, it's, a, it's a genuine outreach tactic that works really well. And, you know, on both the lead gen side and I guess the algorithm side, which is really cool. Um, all right, email, SMS, or messenger? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all three. Yeah, I think um, this is one of those things where people are getting a little too serious about, you know, pick, picking a path. Uh, if you offer all three or two of the three, uh, you're not trying to replace the other one, but supplement the other one. So, for example, in some of our sites uh, and some of our brands, when the visitor comes in on uh, a mobile phone, we offer them the SMS option on the pop up. So it's a one click uh, option for them to opt in and then they're, you know, then they're into the welcome series on a phone and they're tagged as a, a mobile messenger. We don't try, you know, um, we don't try when they come in on a, uh, an SMS medium to ask for an email address. We don't fight it. We just, you came in on a phone, uh, you know, let's take advantage of that. If you come in on a desktop, we don't say, oh, well, you're here. Can we have your phone number? We don't mix and match the two. We just say you're on a on a desktop, therefore, we're going to be asking email address. Well, don't you collect both of those at checkout anyway, though? At, well, at checkout, yes. Um, but I'm thinking in terms of the step before on, on ah, trying okay. to cap, yeah, trying to capture the uh, contact information at some point. Right. Okay. So. That makes sense. Yeah, they all they all are complementary to each other, and it just really depends on you know the platform they came in on, which might be best for them. Yeah. So marketing channel. Yeah. Um, really good answer. Should agencies and brands focus on list growth most? I don't, I don't know how people got away from this, but um, one of the key metrics that we look at every day is how many new people on the list. And as a percentage of your traffic, you know, how efficient are you at collecting names? Have you got a good reason for it? Uh, is there a good offer? Is it good enough to get people to give up an email address? And paying attention to that can make a difference between literally a 1% opt-in rate uh, and a 10% opt-in rate. And it's the same old story, uh, you know, uh, day one doesn't mean that much. Day two, not that much. Day five, a little bit more. Day 10, month 10, year two. At the end of year two, a 10% opt-in rate versus a 1% opt-in rate is literally money, lots of money uh, that was not, a, a, you know, you didn't capture because you didn't capture the contact information of that elusive visitor. They were there and they were gone because, uh, you know, that means, you know, 90, even if you have a 4% conversion rate, that means 96% are gone. Uh, and if your remarketing game is uh, strong, still 90% are gone. Yeah. Uh, and if you're not capturing email SMS, you know, another 10% of that, of those visitors are never to be seen again. They don't get to develop a relationship. So it's, and, it's and really terms of important. Targeting too, like with, with Facebook and the new iOS update, uh, retargeting based on pixel traffic is becoming very sparse. Like I'm just even noticing my own retargeting specifically on, you know, we have our retargeting ad sets broken down. One of them is, you know, retargeting all web traffic 90 days. So whether you hit our lander, uh, our opt-in page, but didn't opt-in, as long as you triggered the pixel, then you'll get retargeted. Well, after iOS, now, if they, if they did that, but they didn't opt-in and give us their email address, 
those people can't be retargeted, uh, period. They're, they're not considered, uh, you know, in our retargeting pool. So our, one of our other, uh, retargeting pools is it retargets them dynamically from the email address that they gave us, uh, which can work around the iOS, I guess, or a little bit more, but it's just that much more important to capture your email because even if you can't retarget them, uh, on Facebook platform, you'll be able to send them emails and technically retarget them there. But if you didn't get them to opt in, that's it. You know, yep. that's it. Um, all right. Uh, so we talked about segmenting earlier. Uh, should you do segmenting or can you send uh, a newsletter to everyone? I think we already talked about this a little bit, but can you go into a little bit more detail about how segmenting works? Yeah, that, this is still prevalent out there. Um, people have the impression sometimes that if I send one email with one thing in it, that's good. If I send one email with three things in it, that's better. If I send an email with 10 things in it, that's better. If I send an email with 20 things in it, that's better. And if I send an email with 20 things in it to everybody, somebody will buy something. Yeah. Um, but that's not really marketing. No. So fire hose marketing. Yeah. So we found that, you know, the old days of send one email to everybody uh, that hopes that somebody will buy something. Um, a good example, we have recently a customer that has that mindset and they're sending long emails with lots of stuff. But we said, we'd like to do something different. Uh, humor us. Just let us take your one monster email and break it into three emails. So instead of sending one email on a Tuesday, we're going to send it one Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and we're going to take the first three items and send it in the first email and the middle three items to send them in the second email. So basically we're going to turn one email into three. Yeah. So lo and behold, it's sold like crazy um, because the, the, the clicks at the top of an email, they're always the things that give you the most clicks. If you look at your click reports, you know, the first five clicks in an email is where all the action is. By the time you get to the bottom, there might be one guy who's still around. Oh, I clicked on that, you know? <laughs> um, so, so you're saying that you should put your links higher up in the body copy instead of at the end of your body copy? Um, it, personally, I like to have one link above the fold, especially on a phone. Uh, that's a convenience link. Um, then I, if I, depending on what, what I'm doing, I make my case, I show a picture, uh, pictures linked, and then, you know, I got a caption, captions linked, and then I've got my benefits and offer, uh, and then offers, uh, buttoned and or linked. So, you know, the first five links in, in the email is close to the top as possible, and they're all to the same offer, the same thing. So we, we have a kind of unwritten rule, one email, one offer. Yeah. Well, the same thing, you know, our emails, they always have the same call to action. Um, but I'm trying to, I mean, asking for a friend here, uh, you would put your call to action above the fold. So in meaning that you can click on it before you'd ever have to scroll. Yeah. If you're just going to put one link. Let's say you're going to put one link in your email. You would put it near the top before you have to scroll. Uh, you mean if my choice was only one link and no other text links or image links or button links? Yeah. No, I, I, I'd make the case first. Even if it's a short email, I'd make the case before uh, my call to action button. Okay. So it's still, your call to action button would still be at the bottom of the email copy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. All right. I don't have to change my whole strategy now. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, great. 
Uh, and then finally, let's uh, let's talk. What is your single best tip for agencies uh, doing email marketing for their clients? Um, I, I've got one thing in mind. This, this has never failed us. And we had a client a long time ago, it's probably eight years now, uh, and they were a supplement company and they would write a fairly lengthy, medically correct, detailed, uh, feature-laden uh, article about their supplement every month. And they would send it to their list. And at the very bottom of the email, they would have an offer uh, that would be like a tear-off coupon, so 15% off your order. And this email was their uh, bread and butter for email marketing. They made about, you know, give or take between four to six thousand dollars a month off of this email. Nice. And I said, um, I'd like to do something different. I'd like to send your newsletter out just as a newsletter. They can click to the website if they want, but there's no offer in the newsletter. The newsletter stops when you finish telling your story. So mm -hmm. it's a straight give. Here's information, you know, I'd like you to know this. And that offer that was hidden at the bottom of the email, and it was fairly lengthy, it might have been the equivalent of a, a one-page Word document, you know, was that a couple hundred words? Uh, but it was good information. Uh, it had good open rates and, you know, generally some click-throughs, four to 6,000 a month. So we split it into two emails. On Tuesday, we sent the informational emails. They could click if they wanted to, but there was no offer in the email anymore. The customer really didn't want to do it. On Thursday, we sent an email. It was just the offer. Hey, you're a special customer. And the coupon was just the offer. The whole email was about the coupon. So it was super short, super precise, really strongly worded, you know, a direct response style email. Just by separating those two things and sending two emails instead of one, and that's not even talking about sending to unopens and all the other fun things you can do, um, resending the email to unopens. Mm -hmm. That email changed from producing four to six to 40 to $50,000 a month. Wow. Nothing else changed. Wow. So, and it was, the, it was the direct response email that generated all that revenue. Right. Yeah. Like the, yeah. Now, what did now? Did you see the open rates on the on the original newsletter that you segmented out, plummet, or what? Nope. What was the oh. metrics there? So the open rate, I, as I recall, it was around twenty six percent to thirty percent, typically. Uh, so it was a good email to read. People liked reading it. Um, the email stayed on the informational email at twenty six percent, but the offer email also opened at twenty six percent. Hmm. So the difference was between 26% of people reading down to the bottom and drifting off and drifting off till the last remaining, you know, three people were reading the offer by, by the time they got through all of the whole thing versus 26% of people reading the offer right there and yeah. making the decision, oh, do this or don't do this. So the direct response email was pretty short then. Very short. Very short. And it was just like, you know, you're a special customer. We want to, we want to reward you for that. Here's X percent off. Click here to yeah. kind of thing. Yep. Wow. So, uh, so the lesson in there is to separate your newsletter and your promo offer emails. Yep. Absolutely. Wow. And I, I see lots of people have a pattern. Like some people like to do send two informational messages and one offer type message. So there's a balance between information and um, offer and and that's okay uh, some of our customers are very aggressive they're just all offer all day long 
uh, and some customers are oh, more of a relationship, you know, intermittent, here's some information, here's the link to a blog, here's the link to a podcast, you know, kind of help you out with showing you who we are. And then, oh, by the way, you know, next Tuesday, there was an offer as well. So, hmm. and they all work uh, for different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. E email's not dead. Email's email not dead. Not dead. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Mitch, for uh, spending this hour with me and, and talking with me about email marketing. I think it's something that uh, is, you know, continually, like you said, it's continually claimed that it's dead and it's overlooked. And uh, I think it's a, it's a staple of the digital marketing world. And it's something that agencies uh, should lean more into because it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. It's just changing. The software is getting better. Uh, there's more opportunities out there for agencies to get leads from it. And there's more opportunities for agencies now than ever to use it for their brands uh, to get better results. So it's a no brainer. Yep. Sign me up. Gotta, gotta go email. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I think you dropped a ton of knowledge. Uh, and so, you know, We'll have to do this again sometime, maybe in another five years when email is completely different again. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Have a good one.